0: So right now, I'm in a hemisphere with, you know, a moon up there and uh, what looks something like the Earth. That was Alex Guest, co-host of the show, after his first experience with the HTC Vive. I'm Marek Pawwoski, founder of MEX. This is... Is the MEX Design Talk podcast, and we've got a special edition for you all about a day we spent getting hands-on with the user experience of virtual reality. Regular listeners to the show might remember episode 12 where Alex and I sat down with Greg Taylor of Tiger Spike and went in depth on some of the user experience principles which are emerging around augmented, virtual, and mixed realities. If you missed that episode, here's a quick reminder of what Greg had to say.
1: So what's happening is you're getting a pure sort of augmentation of digital um, and physical and your brain can't really tell the difference between the two now they're combining that technology with this um, with these you know objects that almost have their own life they can detect your physical environment and have digital objects coming in and out of you know spaces and it's it's very very interactive
0: well shortly after that episode of mech's design talk greg took delivery of his htc vive at tiger spike and they set up a bit of a lab environment to test it out within the Tiger Spike offices in London. He very kindly invited Alex and I to come in for the day and check it out with him. And we were keen to do it because the Vive is an important test case for virtual reality. It's one of the first which brings together body and hand tracking within a real world space. And at the moment is arguably the most immersive experience uh, which is available to consumers. We joined Proceedings as Alex and I uh, are checking out the unboxing experience and the environment in which Tiger Spike has set up the Vive. Right, Alex. So, we're here at Tiger Spike HQ in London, where Greg Taylor, who people might remember from uh, episode 12 of Mech's Design Talk, I think, um, has kindly invited us in to have a look at some of the latest VR kit that they've been experimenting with. Now, I believe you have not tried any form of VR, at least the recent stuff. Um, in any way yet. So what are your expectations going into this? What are you thinking you might experience?
2: Mary, this is absolutely, as you say, it's my first time putting on a proper VR set. It's, uh, it looks amazing. It looks futuristic. We'll uh, we'll we'll tweet out a picture, I guess, before this comes on air.
0: Yeah, it's quite an unboxing experience actually. We've um, just been having a look at the packaging, and you know they've obviously gone to some lengths to make a statement with what they're doing with it. This is the HTC Vive that we're looking at specifically here, and you know this is it's got all the hallmarks of a flagship product for HTC. I think.
2: Absolutely, the un- the, un- the unboxing experience is is. Uh, you know, clearly, as you say, it's a statement. Um, and once we get inside, I mean, the, the controllers are... I think we both felt they were very lightweight, but also it means that you have a lot of uh, free movement of your hands. We'll see how that works in real life. Um, and it sounds as though it's, you know, really simple to, to set it up um, in terms of, uh, you know, scoping out the size of the room that you're in and, and, and how that plays out. So I'm, I'm pretty excited to see how this is going to work.
0: Yeah, that was quite interesting that it's um, obviously... Uh you know, they've thought about the way you set uh, set the room up and that you can do that with the controller. Um, Greg, our host here at Tiger Spike, has just uh, come in to see how we're getting on with it. Um, Greg, you have obviously had the opportunity to check out quite a few of these things because I know you guys are doing a lot of experimentation around this at the moment. Um, what's been your impression so far?
1: Well, I've given, you yeah, know, just probably about over 40 people, their first high-end VR experience with both the Oculus and the Vive. Uh, and what has struck me is that everyone who's tried it is blown away. Um, and I kind of would expect that, but not to this level. Like I'm talking, people will come in and be a little bit skeptical. Uh, even the coldest personas will come in and try this and then they, just, they, they you can see them, they start smiling, they start giggling to themselves, and then they realize that, wow, they really are in another world. They're transported somewhere else. When the goggles come off, they are literally beaming and i've never experienced that with any technology that i've ever sort of demonstrated uh, and then what gets me is that i always think this is v1 what does v3 look like what does v10 look like you know so the level of immersion and as everyone learns more about the software and what the hardware is capable of, and then you're getting further hardware rollouts you know where's it going to go it's going to be even more incredible than it is now
0: now, why are you doing this here at Tiger Spike? Obviously, it's great that you know, we've been able to come in and have a chance to explore this with you. But why is it important for Tiger Spike to be experimenting with this kind of stuff?
1: I think if you look at the, the history of um, Tiger Spike, we started out doing you know ringtones, websites, carrier integrations, you know mobile sites, uh, and then apps arrived, and Tiger Spikes, I guess, you know, founders were lucky enough to then go, oh, apps are going to be a big thing. And they started learning about that and they were one of the four you know, people at the forefront of that industry. Uh, I think virtual reality is a very similar sort of thing. Companies like Tiger Spike can't afford to not investigate it because of you know, the widespread adoption that we think we're going to see. This you know it's like billions and billions of dollars have been invested in it. And more and more companies are popping up all over the world doing this. There's over 450 companies globally already focused on virtual reality. Um, and because of the, I guess the consumer rollout we're seeing in 2016, companies like Tiger's White, back to your question, uh, we can't we can't afford to not at least investigate it um, to see where there's value for our customers.
0: Well, I guess we've got to go and check it out. Should we go and get stuck in and give it a try? Let's do it. Let's go. Right, so we're getting ready to enter the matrix, as it were, Alex. Do you want to just briefly describe the setup of the the room that we've got uh, for uh, for what we're going to do here? Well, we're in a
2: space that's about uh, six foot by eight foot, roughly, I should think. Um, And uh, in opposite corners, uh, high up on the the walls, are um, two sensors that um, recognize the, the headset and the two controllers. Um, And uh, we also have a a, a proper gaming PC in the corner that has, you know, usual graphics cards, etc. And uh, we can see on the screen what, uh, I guess, what we'll be seeing through the headset. But it's obviously only on 2D and the... uh,
0: yeah, that's quite interesting. It's kind of mirroring, you know, what uh, what we're going to see through the headset. And also, there's a little interface there just to give you some of the uh, details about what's connected. So as you turn on the headset, as you turn on the controllers, each of those pops up on the screen just to confirm that it's, uh, you know, what's going on. Um, Greg has also advised us that this is going to be a physical experience too, and that we should be uh, taking off jumpers and uh, disrobing before we get stuck in. So apparently, it's going to be quite uh, quite a full-on thing. So. Yeah, well, we'll see how it goes. Well, Greg was right about it being a physical experience. Alex went first, and Greg and I watched. And as soon as he had the headset and the headphones on, you could see that he was engaged in this world. And Greg started him off in almost a training sort of a zone, where you go in and you could see on the screen as he was moving around an office environment and being able to pick up different objects and getting used to the sort of physics uh, of the way the Vive worked. Uh, And then went on for some further exploration uh, in a fantasy castle sort of an environment where there was a task of defending the castle using uh, virtual arrows shot using a virtual bow. And this was the point at which it became very apparent that the Vive creates a really interesting social dynamic, the experience, if you like, the user experience uh, of the people who are watching and with the person who is in the Vive world at the time they're doing it. And this is a part of the experience about virtual reality, which perhaps doesn't get talked about as much, but potentially is just as important, this kind of dynamic that it creates in the physical environment. You could see that it was so engaging for Alex that everyone else within the room became focused on the really quite bizarre behavior that he was exhibiting as he was going around in this virtual world, because he was so immersed in that. He wasn't aware aware of his physical actions, uh, but they were very distinctive for the people around him. And that's quite different to other say console gaming experiences like the xbox or the Kinect or things like Wii with the fit controllers where it's much more of something that engages all of the participants who are in the physical space together uh, in a group activity in this environment where he was playing just as a single player rather than in multiplayer mode within the vive his actions became a distraction for others within the room whereas he was fully immersed in the environment this is what he had to say once he came out. First impressions. Incredible, a-
2: absolutely incredible. It's it's uh, it's staggering. You you are in this world, and 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 of course it's not it's not reality, but it's a proper 3D interactive experience. And the the, the graphics, you know, you, it's not you know humans, it's not that, but it's uh, you, you're you're playing a game in an environment that you know you just. It's just nothing like any other game you've played before.
0: So, can you relate it to any previous experience that you've had, or is this truly something novel? Well, I mean, to be honest, I mean, my
2: my shoulders are slightly sore. That actually reminds me of doing some archery, because I mean, I've actually been working, I've been working my arms like firing arrows in in for real. It's, it's amazing. I think I, you know, I'm actually going to feel this tomorrow. <laughs>
0: <laughs> See, we had an unexpected workout. It's a first. <laughs> So, Greg, you've seen a lot of these first experiences. How did that one compare for Alex's first try of uh, his kit?
1: He was one of the best so far with a bow and arrow out of the, out of the box. Um, so quite well done. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you. Do you have an archery background, perhaps? Uh, I,
2: I've done uh, quite a lot in the past. I've done quite a lot of shooting.
1: I think it. I think it tells because I think there's, there's not many people that pick up that particular. Sort of you know bow and arrow thing in the 3D world as fast as you did then. Most people it takes a little bit while, a little bit of time and they kind of they get a bit frustrated as they're trying to get used to it and then they get used to it and they're okay. But you picked up the bow. With the wrong hand first of all, put down the bow, yeah. then picked it up with the right hand, and then just started getting the targets. It, just, it just felt very natural. Yeah. And, and, yeah. I, and, I,
2: and I suspect actually, if you try to, to, to fight it and think that you're not in this world, it probably is much harder. But as soon as you just go, okay, hey, well, this is, I'm just going to do this, and 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 be childlike about it, I suspect it's just brilliant. I, and you know, I mean, that's just how I just I could have carried on doing this for <laughs> the rest of the afternoon.
0: <laughs> so, which bit of it uh, of what you experienced so far, if you could choose to go back to one Bit a bit. what would you go back
2: and do again well I mean you know the the archery thing was a lot of fun but um, I, I would like to explore that whole world and see what else goes on and and and, and you know I'd be curious clearly with the archery you're in a turret and, and you can't really go anywhere but I suspect you know this could then be taken forward and and then you know you've you become part of a, a marauding army or, a, or or a bigger uh, defensive yeah. group battlefield. We yeah. do
1: have we do have one game on here that is like that, and you actually it's a multiplayer <laughs> game as well. So you stand Fantastic. in a vehicle and you can be with another real world person, and you you ride around in a landscape, and you have guns, and you build sh- like you shield your vehicle, and you give people the bird as you're driving by, like bird in one hand, and <laughs> gun in the other.
0: <laughs> so if you want to get a sense for just how immersive an experience it was, and also Alex's pretty proficient archery skills. Take a look at the show notes at mobileuserexperience.com in the podcast section, where we've posted a few videos and photos of what was going on in the room. Now, it was my turn to go next, and I've had a bit more experience with these things than Alex had in the past. So I've tried out things like the Samsung Gear VR uh, and Google Cardboard. Uh, and had found those experiences to be intriguing. We'd also done a bit of user research within the MEX community around the Samsung Gear VR in particular. But even having gone through that and having also now just seen Alex go through the Vive experience, I don't think I was prepared for just how engaging an experience it was as soon as you got that headset uh, and the earphones on and you picked up the controllers, not least because of the way in which the physics of the Vive world so closely matched the physics that you expect to encounter in the real world in terms of gravity, the speed of interaction, the absence of lag. And I found that to be one of the defining characteristics of the user experience for me. Here's the discussion that the three of us ended up having after I'd had a chance to play with it, and we got on to talking in a bit more depth about the various experiences we'd had and what this might mean for digital agencies and for the practice of experience design as a whole.
2: Okay, so Marek, you have just come out of this experience. How are you feeling?
0: It's slightly odd, to be honest with you, that it's really, it's quite a disorientating feeling when you come out of it, when you're in it, it feels completely natural and immersive. but just as you took the headset off there and the earphones, maybe it's because of the lack of sound because it's quite an immersive sound experience as well, but just coming back into the room, like I'd almost forgotten what the physical room around me looks like because I'd just been in a castle shooting people and trying to defend it unsuccessfully, unfortunately, from the uh, the hordes that were uh, trying to sack the castle. But that is... It really is mind blowing. I mean, even having seen you go into it before me and having seen the experience you had with it, I don't think it prepared me for just how natural that feels. Really, really interesting.
2: So, so tell me, how did it feel to be overrun by the hordes?
0: I was like quite physically disappointed that I hadn't managed to do it. You know, I'd got to like the last <laughs> level of what it was, and then when they finally broke through the gate, there was like a real sense of. You know, almost panicked at the thing, like, you know, they they have arrived. (laughs) Very strange. Very strange feeling. Yeah.
1: It really does need, need to be seen and felt to be believed, doesn't it? No amount of explaining this... Can ever be conveyed. You've got to
0: try it. It's strange, and it? while you're using it, so I think it's going to take a while to like download what it is we've just experienced. Because while you're using it, you are so engaged, you can't really have. You know if you're testing out a smartphone app or something like that, you can always sort of have half your mind engaged in, well, why is this working the way it is, and examining the sort of user experience for it. But with that it's completely immersive and I think we're going to need a bit of time to actually sit back and think well why did it feel that way and the only thing which in my mind I can pin it down to is that there is absolutely no lag or separation in the input layer on there that anything you do with your hands immediately is represented in real time on the screen there's not even uh, your brain doesn't even pick up a microsecond of hesitation which is such a difference compared to ones I've experienced before like the gear vr and things like that where it was fairly responsive but this is a whole different level compared to that.
2: For me, you know, watching you do that, having just been in it myself, actually, it's it's incredible. I didn't, you know, I didn't realize <laughs> how much movement. You know, I realized when I was you know, crouching down, to things I was crouching down, but actually seeing you do that was <laughs> that's, that's a great impression. It's it's, it's 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 you know, it's like seeing a bunch of chimpanzees.
0: Yeah, it, it's crazy, and I think the only time you ever get like a jolt back into um, the fact that you're not in that world that you perceive yourself to be in is if you actually physically hit the floor for instance because obviously the walls are defined around you as soon as you go anywhere near them a little like warning screen comes up so you're not going to hit the wall but when you bend down to pick up something off the floor it doesn't seem to sense it as well and that was the only time I suddenly realised actually I'm in Greg's office here rather than I'm in you know castle world or office world or whatever world it was we were That's a good in good point yeah. which is yeah
2: and, and how did it feel being in that cubicle because it's it, To me, it felt very enclosed.
0: Yeah, I didn't realize at first that you could. The cubicle was basically the size of the physical space that we're in, and that you couldn't go beyond that. But after the first sort of two or three minutes of picking up objects and using the photocopier and doing all that kind of stuff, suddenly I started to think, well, I'd like to go beyond that but you couldn't really but I suppose that's probably the idea of that training world is to get you you familiar with the mechanics of it before you go off and do something more interesting like shooting people with bows and arrows to protect your castle Exactly, jobs of the future. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Words changing. <laughs> so, Greg, we experienced a couple of um, these different worlds: the office world and the the castle world. Are there others that you have had a chance to play with? Given that you have this kit in your office every day, that you think um, you know, offer another level of experience beyond that? Um, there's
1: all, yeah. I mean, there's 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 a bunch that we've played with that are really cool, and I think. But I think there's also like if you go on, say, YouTube, for example, and look at all of the game trailers of you know, say, HCC Vive experiences that are coming out it's kind of just mind-blowing how much more immersive it's almost as if you know the software developers were at a race to meet the date when this hardware would be released and it very much is what you see is what you get but yeah I mean I could I could again I could talk about the different ones I've seen but you've got to kind of I would start by you know checking out uh, YouTube and checking out what's coming up because it's just it's mind-blowing
0: So, obviously, you have very kindly invited us into your office, and we're also conscious that, you know, people are doing real work around us here. How does this relate to the kind of real work that goes on uh, in Tiger Spike at the moment? Clearly, there's an experimental angle to it at the moment, but are you getting a sense of how this might actually translate into the day-to-day of of client projects that you've got coming up in the future?
1: Yeah, I think that, certainly when we first got the technology and people kind of go, oh, it's just all sort of fun and games. Uh, but as the as the weeks and months roll by, people begin to see things in the news about different companies doing various bits and pieces. And there's a lot of... Um, People, you know, customers uh, experimenting at the moment, which is really interesting. You're yeah. seeing uh, malls of the future popping out, retail environments. IKEA, for example, already has an experience on here. You can jump in and remodel your kitchen. So people are starting to put two and two together. Um, we're creating uh, a prototype uh, here at Tuxbike at the moment, um, looking at how we can create sort of componentized um, elements, so we can go into businesses and go, "Oh, hey, you've got." this uh, laborious training process where you've got to read these manuals, watch these videos, and go out on site for six months, whereas we can actually take that and look at how we can create, say, a simulated training environment, for example, uh, is a really interesting angle because there's so much laborious, semi-boring training that, that does occur, but this type of thing could be really, you know, you can grade people in real time, you can help people in real time, which I think would actually bring that training cycle down and perhaps get better outcomes. So that 's one interesting area that we 're looking at, uh, and then there's other stuff like health I think health 's a massive one because we 're also quite conscious like this is really fun it 's really immersive um alex Marrick you 've both had a really cool gaming experience and you know you your heart is full of wonder and delight, uh, but actually, if you think about how powerful this actually is, there's actually a, like a darker side to this, and how you know it could be used for manipulation because it is so immersive. So we need to, we're quite wary that we need to use the technology for good. I mean, we, we really are entering the the. Age of, of science fiction that we, it is. that we grew up with. It's it's for real now, isn't it? It is. It is. And this is um, you know, when you talk to people who haven't had this experience, they're, they're naturally and you know, I understand that they're quite sceptical and they're kind of, oh yeah, well, You know, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Um, and then they try it and they're like, oh wow, actually, yeah, okay, this is quite a powerful technology, and this is a little bit like science fiction, and this is version one, consumer kit. What does version five look like? Hmm.
0: It is an interesting thought. Now, what about? skills, um, you know, in terms of how this then translates into the work you might do as an agency. Are you finding this is causing you to think about bringing in new skills or getting people to train others compared to stuff that they've done on digital experience design in the past? It's, it's very
1: different. and um, You know, I, I, don't, I don't think this, this type of technology will overtake what we do traditionally as a business, creating digital products for people. Uh, You know, I'm from a web and sort of application uh, arena. Um, We're fortunate that we have some 3D uh, skills in house in the design team. So we're able to create all of the different 3D objects and that sort of thing. Uh, And then I'm I'm fortunate as well, again, um, that I have a couple of friends uh, in London who do the the high-end kind of rendering, animation, and can take those 3D objects that we do and then put them into, um, you know, these types of environments. So you can interact with those objects and so on. So you've got to create the models and you've got to take them into a real-time engine like Unity as an example, uh, and then add all of the sort of complexity and coding and you know, animations and all that sort of stuff. So we're having to bring in some expertise and then we'll train up people as, you know, I guess as the work requires. One of the things
2: that we encountered, we had a quick chat about while while Marek was still playing there, was the um, the notion of, of an experience around the virtual reality. I don't know if I'm co- coining it for the first time, but the sort of virtual experience. I don't know if people will start talking about VX.
1: They will now. But I,
2: I hope so. <laughs> um, there were certain elements within the world that allow you to go from from one level of the world to another or switch between worlds, things mm-hmm. like picking up the globe and looking at it, trans- mm-hmm. transport you from, from one level to the other. And I guess that
1: whole uh, area is something that's going to need to develop. It, yeah, it's a very good observation. So what we've noticed is that there's a lot of kind of like, in the early days, it's like, oh, we, we, what can we do with virtual reality in retail? We'll create a retail store. <laughs> you know and we'll allow people to walk in the store and we'll pick things up and look at them put them in a virtual shopping basket and carry the basket out and it's kind of like yeah that's that's an interesting introductory kind of a i guess way of understanding what virtual reality can offer but it doesn't actually then i guess take advantage of all the all the I guess native functions and what you what you can actually do within this world. You're just taking this world and putting it in a virtual world. But actually, the virtual world is, is very different, and you can do a lot more with it that could be more natural. It's like you know the early days of application design, you know, for uh, like for, for Apple or whatever. Um, people would take you know uh, a mobile web experience and just create an application with that experience. It's oh hold know. An, an application with the software you're lab, you're able to do a lot more and you can make a better experience. you need to tailor it for the operating system and that would be more immersive. I, th- I feel as if it's the same with virtual reality. You know, we're at the early stages where we're transferring the natural world into the virtual world. But actually we should take, you know, I feel we should take cues from the natural world and then customize those specifically for the virtual world to make it more, you know, immersive and more natural within that world. It's not just, I don't think it just has to be a mirror image.
0: Yeah, Pretty it Michael. makes you wonder where those inspirations will come from. Because I mean, things like mm-hmm. you mentioned, you know, the example of picking up the orb and looking into its transfer to another world. I mean, that's like coming from the worlds of sort of science fiction and yeah. fantasy. Yes, yeah. so
1: I've never was. done that in the so, natural world. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do
0: you know it but it works <laughs> really well. In, but everything. it
1: works really well in that world. <laughs> it, it does. You know? Yeah, and it feels natural. Yeah. There
0: you go. You know, but maybe because we have things embedded like in our sort of psyche from mythologies and you know, fantasy films <laughs> <that> we've <laughs> seen, we've got those links with kind of with magical elements which actually can become things that feel natural in the virtual world because you can simulate them and you can make them happen. There is, you know, it's a cliche where they talk about yeah, experience or great experiences being indistinguishable from magic. But, yeah, there were moments in that which genuinely did feel a little bit supernatural. Um, and maybe that's where we'll get our inspirations from for designing these things.
2: I wonder whether one of the challenges will be... Maintaining a, a coherent language across these virtual applications. So, if, if one application says pick up the orb and look at it, is another application going to say you know pick up the orb and throw it, or is it going to say you know press a button or, or something else? And and given that you're now in a three D space, how much more complexity could potentially enter the language of, of user experience?
0: Yeah, it's almost like we're looking for the, the sort of hamburger menu conventions that have been established in the app world. What are they going to be in the virtual world? Well, maybe it's they, hamburgers. could actually be a hamburger, yeah. It could be. A I think it's the alternative.
1: There's different views on it. So, Google's of course coming out with Daydream uh, and they've released some uh, virtual reality design guidelines or an early version of that to give some people some help around what you know, different cues in the virtual world. Um, but. I mean, the the founder of Magic League, which I talked about on our last uh, podcast, uh, Roy, his name is, he he talks about not really needing design guidelines because it should be, you know, you take cues from the natural world. If you want to reach down and pick something up, you should be able to just reach down and pick something up. You know, if you want to throw something, you can just throw something. So it should be as, I guess, um, uh, as close to our conventions in the natural world in terms of cues, you know, and like, oh, I can go down that path. Oh, okay, it's clearly a path. I'm going to go down that path. Yeah, and
0: like the physics of it as well. You pick up something and when you drop it, it has gravity. gravity. Those feel like they might be more important than having a set of visual conventions that, you know, Mm. things that you can pick up are only red or things that you can throw are only blue. You know, it's more about... Uh, establishing that sort of uh, physics for that universe, but I don't know whether it necessarily needs to be the physics from our world. so long as it was consistent, consistency. There, you probably could probably well. play around with it, though, that a bit so that you can, you know, mess with people's minds. There's a crazy.
1: Um, I can't remember what the app was called. Actually, I've probably got it on here uh, for the Oculus. So basically, you're in a um, you're in a space station, and the space station has crashed, and uh, so it's put a broken apart. So you're in space, and you're moving around the space by uh, you've got like a little jetpack, and you, you you press a button, and it goes sh <laughs> I you know, Hope you can hear that at home. And you move and you move through you know you move through space bit by bit, and it's really disorientating. You know, and you move this way and that way, and that use you know, so there's no gravity. You float around the space, and you feel it. You feel that difference of gravity because you're so immersed you feel it in your middle of your chest and if you're in there for too long you take the goggles off you're like oh you know you can you feel a bit weird
0: yeah I mean I think I experienced that even just coming out of that castle world where you've been so used to doing things with the bow and arrow and crouching down and then you come back into the office and it just feels very
1: bejaro strange yeah. almost yeah which i think yeah. speaks to how immersive it is when you're in that environment if you're, you, if you're, you're coming like, out and you feel different then it's like well i was just in a completely different world what is
0: real you need like a virtual come down room to go up through you know so you can go from castle world to like a little lounge to chill out before you go back to the real world That's it for this edition of Mech's Design Talk. We'd like to say a special thanks to Greg Taylor and Tiger Spike for kindly hosting us in London for this experience. Don't forget you can find the show notes with links to everything we mentioned at mobileuserexperience.com in the podcast section, including the previous episode where we went into more depth with Greg Taylor about the theory and the market dynamics around mixed virtual and augmented reality. And there's also some bonus photos there if you're particularly keen to see what two grown men look like when they're leaping around an office shooting virtual arrows at cartoon characters. Thanks for listening. Goodbye.